Appreciate that song. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started. Fathers, I come to you this morning. It is good to be reminded in song of your love, and it's good to be reminded of your forgiveness. It's good to be reminded of your grace. Lord, so many wonderful truths that we have been reminded of this morning in song. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this message now to be a help to each of us, that you would use it to be a challenge to us in our daily walk with you. Lord, such a simple truth that we'll be considering, and yet one that is so needed. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning by saying this, that I know that in a few moments I run the risk of sounding like the old man. Okay? I did that a few Sunday nights ago, and I know that I sound like an old man. And today there is a chance that at the conclusion of this sermon you may say, He's just an old fuddy-duddy who doesn't want us or anybody else to have any kind of fun. That is not even close to what I hope to accomplish today. In fact, I hope to accomplish the exact opposite. And I think if those who may not be on board with this truth would get on board with this truth, I think you would say to yourself, he had something in that message that I needed to hear. Those of you who are already on board with this truth, I think you'll just say amen, and you'll continue on as you have been. But don't, don't allow your spirit to be stifled by what you think I'm saying. Just listen to the sermon and see if there is something in it that you need to be challenged by. So that in mind, I'm going to begin this morning by sharing a thought with you that is boring in content. If I gave you all the details behind the story I'm about to give you, you would say, not only is that boring, it is extremely boring. But I'm telling you this story because there is a principle in it that we're going to use in a few moments as the message wraps up, and I think we can understand this if we'll give it the attention it needs. A little over 25 years ago, I set up a bank account at a particular bank and so for the last 25 plus years, that is the bank that Susie and I have used in our marriage. That is where we deposit our checks. That is where we write checks off of to pay our bills. If you were to say to me, what bank do you use? I would give you the name of this bank and I would say we have used it, as I just said, for 25 plus years. That in mind, it was a few years ago that I set up another account with another bank, and the account that was set up with the second bank, I carry a zero balance in it. I don't keep any money in there. I don't keep one cent in there. The entire purpose of that account is to sit there empty. Now, somebody might say, why would you set up a bank account intentionally knowing that it will carry or maintain a zero balance. Well, that's part of the boring details that I don't want to share with you today. There's just a reason for that. If you're dying to know what it is, talk to me after church, and I'll be more than happy to share it with you. But that said, I want us to think about this account where we keep a zero balance. This account where we have no money whatsoever in it, I want you to think about this idea 
that if I were to go to that bank and go inside to a teller and say to them, I would like to withdraw from my account today $1,000, what do you think the teller would say? They would say, sir, that's impossible. Well, why is it impossible? Because you've not deposited anything into this account. That makes sense, does it not? It is impossible to withdraw from something that you have never deposited into. Now, if I went to my other bank and I said I'd like to withdraw $1,000, they would say, just a minute, Mr. Roosevelt, we'll get that for you, or however they would speak to me. But I could withdraw from that account. But again, this second account, I could never withdraw from that because I never put anything into it. We understand this. It's not hard to understand. In order to withdraw, deposits must be made. Now you say, why are you telling us this? Well, this morning I want us to think about a word that many of us are familiar with. We'll get to the text in just a couple of moments, but I want us to think about a word that many of us are familiar with, and that word is psalm. Psalm. P-S-A-L-M. Psalm. If I were to ask you this morning, what is a psalm? I think some of you would say, I know what that is. I know what a psalm is. I am sure of that. I am confident of it. I know what a psalm is. Some of you might say something like this. I think I know what a psalm is. I'm pretty sure that I've got a good idea as to what a psalm is. And some of you this morning, you may say to yourself, I have no idea what a psalm is. Maybe I've heard the word somewhere in the past, but I have no idea what it is. And so this morning, I just want to share with you what a psalm is. A psalm is a sacred song or hymn. A psalm is a sacred song or hymn. Now, that may clarify it for you. That may be all the definition or uh, illustration that you need. That may be everything you need to hear to know what a psalm is. It's a sacred song or a hymn. But you may sit there and say, well, that doesn't really clarify it for me. So, So help me out just a little bit more. So let me help us out a little bit more for those who need it. Here is what a psalm is besides being a sacred song or hymn. It is a song that is devoted to deity. It is devoted to deity. So we would say it like this. A psalm is a song that has been devoted to God. All right. It is a song that has been devoted to God. By nature, a psalm or a sacred song or hymn, it will be reverent. Okay, so a psalm that is a sacred song or hymn, it is a song that is devoted to God, it will be reverent in nature, and it will also be set apart or unique in its content. Just make sense? It is set apart or it is unique in its content. So now if I were to say to you, what is a psalm? Here's what every one of you could say. Well, goodness, Brother Kyle, that's a sacred song or hymn. 
It is a song that has been dedicated to God. It is a song that is reverent in nature, and it is a song that will be unique in its content. That is what a psalm is. A psalm could be like the songs we sang this morning in the congregationals. It could be something like Amazing Grace. It could be something like the love of God. It could be something like the old rugged cross. It could be something like it is well with my soul. A a psalm could be something like that. A psalm could be something like this. A praise chorus or a worship chorus where the the subject and the author or the one of attention is that of God done in a reverent manner that has a unique content to it. I want us to understand what a psalm is because a psalm is not what is popular in our culture today. I want us to understand this, that if you turn on a rock station, you will never hear a psalm come from the rock station. Somebody say amen to that. You will never turn on a rock station and hear a psalm because a psalm is dedicated to God. It is, it is written on behalf of God and, and it'll have a reverence about its, its tone and its approach to, to carrying a message and it's going to be unique in its content. So we need to know this, that, that a rock station will never, ever, ever, ever intentionally play a psalm. The only way that would happen is if somebody snuck one on in on the DJ. All right? You say, well, rock really isn't my speed. I'm more of an easy listening kind of a person. Okay? You will never hear a hymn on an easy listening radio station. In order for it to be a hymn, it has to be about God. It has to be reverent in nature, and its content must be unique. Now, you may say something like this. Well, don't you know that we're kind of in the West Texas panhandle? I'm more of a country kind of a person myself. Trust me. You've got as much of a chance of hearing a psalm on a country radio station as you do a rock radio station. You may hear a good love ballad every once in a while on a country station. You you may hear about somebody whose tractor got stolen and the dog ran away, and that may bring a tear to your eye, but that is not a hymn. I want us to realize this. This is so very important. A hymn has God as its subject. It is reverent in its nature, and its content is unique. And as you read through the scripture, here is something you find. That music from the beginning has a place in the life of the child of God all the way through the scripture. Are we hearing this? All through the scripture, here is what we see, is that music is important to the child of God. 
I know that you're familiar with some of these examples, but I'm going to share them anyways. Whenever the children of Israel were able to see their enemies, the Egyptians, drown in the Red Sea, what they did was spontaneously erupt into music singing the praises of their God. They didn't just see that happen and then conclude, wow, that was kind of cool. No, whenever they saw their enemies defeated and destroyed and, and, and drowned there on the banks of the Red Sea, it was a spontaneous reaction on their part to begin singing praises unto God. As you read through the Old Testament again, you see so many examples of music being crucial and critical in the life of a believer But yet you make your way to the New Testament, and here's what we see again, just a familiar portion of Scripture that that reminds us of this, that when Christ was soon to be crucified, he had just spent time with his disciples, and he was about to leave and go to the Garden of Gethsemane to spend that time in prayer. What did Christ and the disciples do? It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out. We don't know what the words were. We don't know what the lyrics were. But I can trust you, friend. It wasn't some easy listening tune that was popular in their culture that day. No, this was a song that reminded them of who God was, who reminded them of something about the nature of God. It was reverent in its spirit, and it was unique in its content. I can promise you that it was different than what the world called music. When Paul and Silas found themselves in prison, they had been beaten and now they were in stocks. They were were really in a miserable, miserable position. What does the scripture say? The scripture says at midnight they began to sing. And as they began to sing, they were not recalling some song from their past, I can promise you. It was a song that had to do something about God. It would have been reverent in nature and unique in content. I want us to hear this. I want us to hear this well, that not every song has to have the same beat. Not every song has to have the same rhythm. And not every song has to center around the same subject by way of content. But if a psalm is going to be sung, if a psalm is going to be lifted up, it will be about God. The content will be reverent, or the the nature will be reverent, and the content will be unique. Somebody says, well, that's fine. Why are you telling us all this? Well, turn to James chapter 5, if you would, please. In James chapter 5, we remember from two weeks ago that he asked this question, is any among you afflicted? What James was asking in that portion of scripture or in that question is this, are any of you going through a hard time? Are any of you going through difficult days? And I said then that it was kind of a, a unique question because no doubt James would have known that they were going through some affliction and going through some hard times. But in spite of knowing that, he still asked the question and then he said this, Let him pray. That was a simple instruction, was it not? If you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a difficult circumstance, if you're going through through some, some hard things in your life, here's what you need to do, James said. You just need to pray about it. 
You don't need to worry. You don't need to fret. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to find yourself in the depths of despair. What you need to do is you need to pray about the circumstance you find yourself in. So as that is so, I want us to think about this as we make our way into the next portion of this verse, that James knew this, that just because some were afflicted, not all were. Just because some were afflicted and going through hard times, not all of them were. See, that in their day would be much like it is in our day. Not everyone is going through a hard time at the same time. You may have days when you are not having a good day. You may have a week. You may have a season where things are not good for you and things could be good for me. At the same time, I could be going through a difficult season. I could be going through a difficult time. And you could be looking at your life saying, well, man, things are pretty good for me right now. Things are pretty good for my family right now. So James understood what all of us know is that for some who are afflicted, there are others who are enjoying the blessings of God. So notice what he said in verse number 13. He said, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Certainly there were some who needed to hear that. But notice what he said next. He said, Is any merry? Is any merry? What does it mean to be merry? It means this, to be of good cheer, to be of a good spirit, or to be glad. To be of good cheer, to be of a good spirit, or to be glad. Let's just be honest. When life is good, we tend to be merry, do we not? When life is good, when life is favorable, when things are going our way, we can't help but be of good cheer, to be of a good spirit, to be glad. Now, I know there are some people who don't enjoy life going well. I've said before, it seems to scare them to death, right? It's like life is good, so they're just waiting for the bottom to fall out, and that's what they focus on, is it won't stay good forever, so I've got to worry about the future and when it's all going to change. But for a normal person, right, for a normal person, whenever life is good and the circumstances are favorable, even if we don't mean to be, we're cheerful. We're just better by way of our attitude and our countenance and our spirit. We're just glad when life is going good. So with the simplicity of the previous instruction of let him pray, with this next question, we have a very simple instruction given once more. Is any Mary... Yes. So here's what you do. Let him sing psalms. Is any merry? Are any of you having a good day? Are any of you having a good week? Are any of you going through a season of life right now and you would just say, man, life is good. You know, things have really turned and I've really had some breaks go my way and, and, and I've really known the blessings of God lately. Man, life's been good. You know what James would say? He would say this, don't just sing a song. Let him sing psalms. 
What does that mean to sing a psalm? It means this, to sing a sacred song or hymn. Are you, Mary, are you going through a positive time? Are you going through a good time? Well, yes, I am. Then you know what you need to be doing? You need to be singing a song. You need to have a song in your heart. What kind of a song then should I have in my heart? One that focuses on God. Really, you know, if you're going through a good season, if you're not in those moments of affliction where you really need to spend time in prayer, if life is really going good right now and you're just enjoying the goodness of God, you need to be singing some praises to God that are reverent in their nature and unique in their content. When life is good, when life is favorable, when you are merry and of good cheer, that's not when you need your favorite rock station blaring while going down the road. That's really not what you need going into your mind and going into your heart. So, man, life is good, and I'm just going to go out and drive for a while, roll the windows down and turn the radio up, and just listen to me some good old rock music. James would say, no, for the child of God, what you need to be singing and what you need to be declaring and what you need to be making known in song is a good old song that is sacred, that is reverent, that is unique, that is what you need to be focusing on. Man, life is good right now. Oh man, life is good. I got the job, I got the raise, I got the car, I, I, I got whatever it was. Man, life is good. Again, I think I'm just going to turn on some music while I'm cleaning the house and I'm going to put me in some George Strait or some Garth Brooks or, or some Brooks and Dunn and man, we're just going to get this house clean while we're rocking out and, and boot scooting and boogieing. So you're kind of dating yourself a little bit. I understand, I'm just saying. It's a fun song, don't get me wrong. It's a fun song to boot, scoot, and boogie. But I'm just telling you as a child of God, that's not what I need to be singing when life is good. When life is good, I need to be singing a psalm. Listen, girls, I need to be singing a psalm when life is good. I need there to be this song of praise. I need to be the, uh, singing this song of rejoicing. That is what I need to be doing, reminding myself of the goodness of God in my life. That's what needs to be coming from me when life is good. Somebody may say something like this, Brother Kyle, I, I, I'm listening, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Some of you may be sitting here saying, you are right, you sound like an old man. Don't be listening to that rock music, don't be listening to that country music. Yeah, that sounds like an old man talking, I get it. But let me illustrate what this should look like for a child of God. How many of us have ever looked back over a season of life that God brought us through? 
and we realized God was faithful. Well, God was faithful. In the midst of that hardship, in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that difficulty, God got me through it again. Now, I'm not saying this is the only song you need to sing. I'm just saying this is a song worth singing in those moments. Great is thy faithfulness. It goes on to say simple things like this. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. That really is a song worth declaring when you think of the faithfulness of God. You might say something like this. I'd sound like a dork driving down the road with my windows down, blaring, great is thy faithfulness. You might look like a dork, but that's a whole lot better than what you could be playing. Have you ever just sat and thought for a moment about the fact that God saved you? You could be on your way to a devil's hell today, but because of the love and grace of God, he saved you. You know, it's a good time to just say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. Again, I'm not saying that's the only song that needs to be sung in a moment like that. I'm just trying to illustrate this. If you think about the faithfulness of God, it should prompt some kind of song that would remind us of the faithfulness of God. If we're thinking about God's salvation, it ought to prompt within us some song that reminds us of that, of His grace and His love. What if it's just something that we can't really put our finger on? Well, here's a good song, and it's simple. God is so good. God is so good. It changes up just a little bit. It says next, God is so good. He's so good to me. I can't even really put my finger on it, what it is that that is giving me this joy. But I know right now, I don't need to be listening to some of that country mess. And I don't need to be listening to some of that rock mess. No, in the midst of God's goodness, I really just need to say, God, you've been so good. And you've been so good to me. You've been so good to my family. And that's the song that I just want to belt out right now. God, you've been good. Are there other songs that can be sung? Well, of course there are other songs that can be sung. But I want us to think about this. In those moments where we're reminded of God's goodness, where those psalms of praise should come from us, we cannot withdraw from what we do not deposit into. You understand this, please? Are we hearing this? 
coming to church and half-heartedly holding a hymnal and half-heartedly singing through the song service, just waiting to get through it, you're not depositing much into your heart for you to withdraw from later. Life is good right now, and the preacher said, I need to be singing some kind of a song. Okay, I'm going to sit here. Oh, goodness, oh, what is a good song to sing right now? Man, I can't even think of a good song. You know why you can't withdraw? Because you haven't deposited. I'm just saying, if, if on your way to work, you've got the radio on, and you're not depositing psalms into your life, don't expect to be able to withdraw that song of praise when you need it. You know, I just like me some good pick-me-up music on my way to work. It gets me mentally prepared. I'm just telling you, that'd be a wonderful time for you to put in some psalms. Some good Christian music that feeds the soul. If you have opportunity at work to have the radio playing in the background, you know what it needs to be? It needs to be psalms. Well, why? Because you want to deposit into your life what you will need to withdraw from in the future. Brother Kyle, they would make fun of me at work if I played that kind of music. Let them make fun. Say, Brother Kyle, I could never get the house cleaned with that kind of music playing. I would move so slow. Pep it up a little bit. There's some good Christian music out there that's got some beat to it, and it's got some rhythm to it, and you can still be magnifying the Lord with a little bit of speed. Amen. Not every psalm is slow and dry and boring. In fact, if it's a psalm, I can promise you it's not slow and dry and boring. It may be slow, but it won't be dry and boring. I'm just saying to us this morning, there is an instruction given by James to believers. And he says, are you merry? Are you of a good spirit? Are you of good cheer? Are you glad right now? Oh, well, yeah, I am. You need to be singing some psalms then. And in order for us to be able to sing some psalms, we've got to be willing to deposit that into our lives. Because that's the only way they will come forth from us spontaneously when we need them. Again, let me sound like an old man for just a couple of moments. But you know what we really need to do? We need to go through our devices where our music is at and say, you know, if that one doesn't honor the Lord, I really don't need to be listening to that one. And if that one doesn't honor the Lord, I just probably need to delete that one. And hey, while we're at it, we're going to get our kids' devices and we're going to bring those in. And we're going to look at what they're listening to because they need to be filling their heart and mind with some psalms 
as much as me and mama need to be. And when we're driving down the road as a family, we're just going to turn on some good music or there won't be any music at all. Brother Kyle, are you preaching against rock music? Yes, I am. Brother Kyle, are you preaching against easy listening music? Uh, Less than I am rock music because I I know sometimes that easy listening song, I I understand that it's not wicked and it's evil and, you know, Maybe it was your song. I get it. I'm not 100% pure, all right? Brother Kyle, are you preaching against all country music? Most of it. Not all of it, but most of it. I'm just saying what we need to be fed with more than anything else by way of music is just some good music that honors and glorifies our God and Savior. And if we're not doing it, we'll not be able to sing psalms when we're married. You really need to look at the music in your library and ask yourself, does this bring glory and honor to God? If it doesn't, it probably ought to be wiped out sooner rather than later. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I know it's a simple message. I know it's a simple thought. And yet, Lord, I would be deceiving myself if I thought everybody in this room only listened to music that honored you. It's very possible that while some were getting ready for church, they were listening to stuff they didn't need to be listening to. That maybe as they get in their car on the way home, if they were to look at what their radio was set on, it would be some music that doesn't bring honor to you. So it's a simple truth, it's a simple message, but we need it. Because we need to be depositing the right kind of music into our heart and lives so that it will be there when we need it in the days to come. I pray that you'd bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.